we're in church, you may be seated. I'm over here by the couch. Um, are you, let me rephrase that. Has God been good to you, church? He's been really good to me. I'm glad you're here this morning. I'm so thankful that we are in this series, that we're looking at the law. We're looking at the Ten Commandments. We're seeing what God established in the Old Covenant. And we're looking and see uh, how Jesus uh, fulfills the law, how we now view the law through the lenses of Christ. Been so thankful for the study of God's Word. And this morning, we're going to talk about the Sabbath. As our Jewish ancestors would say, Shabbat. We're going to look at Sabbath. What does that mean? I want to, I want to go on a journey with you. If you've had the privilege of being what we call raised in church, if you've been around church for a long time, as long as you can remember, I, I want you to go on a little journey with me in your mind. Just humor me for a little bit. I want you to think about your life, and I want you to think about what makes Sunday different. What makes Sunday special, or what made Sunday special growing up? Think about it for a second. What sets Sunday apart? Are you going to some really sweet memories in your mind? For me, example, I remember coming to church. Anybody remember fighting mom? Like, man, it was that shirt you just hated, but she made you wear because it looked good in pictures. Anybody? You know what I'm talking about? Man, and you would just fight tooth and nail all the way out the door. Probably got in trouble before you even got to church and mom and dad show up and act like everything was great. You know what I'm talking about? Some of you, that was this morning. Sundays were special. After church, we would jump in the car, head to grandma's house. All the family, the cousins, everybody would show up. More food than is humanly possible to eat. Grandma loved that. A lot of special times. Then we'd get in the car after we've done that. We'd go home and do a whole lot of nothing. Anybody there? Special time. Sundays are special. Sundays should be set apart. I want to frame this whole message up this morning. This is what I want you to get from it. God's asking us in the fourth commandment to let at least one day of the week look different than every other day of the week. That's what he's asking. So once you go to your Bibles, let's go to Exodus 20. We're going to look at the fourth commandment. It starts in verse 8. God's telling his children, the nation of Israel... He's instructing them, and he's instructing us. He says, remember the Sabbath. Remember to observe the Sabbath by keeping it holy. You have six days each week for your ordinary work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath day of rest dedicated to the Lord your God. On that day, no one in your household may do any work. This includes you 
your sons and daughters, your male and female servants, your livestock, any foreigners living among you. For in six days the Lord made the heavens, the earth, the sea, and everything in them. But on the seventh day he rested. That is why the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and set it apart as holy. Let's talk a little bit about history, context for a little bit. What's happening here? What's going on for the nation of Israel? Uh, If you'll understand, if you'll remember that they're coming out of bondage, they're coming out of slavery, they've been working for generations, and God sets apart this special day. He says, work six days, so we should work. Work six days, and then on the seventh day, you should rest. Work six days, and on the seventh day, which is a Saturday, I want you to rest. We're going to talk about the the difference now between Saturday and Sunday. We'll get there in a little bit. But God says, I want you to rest. I want you to rest. We see that in Genesis when God created everything. He worked for six days, church, and then he rested. So God is telling his children, work six days, and then rest. It's been this way since the creation of the world. He's starting to establish a new rhythm. He's starting to establish what is best for us. So he tells his children, he says, I'm the only God that you should worship. And because I'm the only God that you should worship, you need to worship me the right way. And because I'm the God that's holy and should be worshiped the right way, keep my name holy. And because of all of this, I want you to stop what you're doing And I want you to remember me. And I want you to worship me. He tells his kids that. And church, we're going to learn this morning how he's telling us that even till this day. Even God rested. So he's setting this standard for his people then and for his people now. It's going to be on the screen. If you're a note taker, I want you to write this down. If you're somebody with a photographic memory, I want you to remember this. It says, God knows what's best for his people. And rest is best. Some of you are thinking, I knew one day my nap would be validated by the word of God. Anybody? You're like, man, I'm glad I showed up today. Rest is best. God knows what's best for you. What do we mean by rest? God is establishing a rhythm. God is ordaining a rhythm. What I love about God is I love his commands. I love the things that he ordains. And what he is setting aside for his people is this rhythm of work and then this rhythm of rest. This rhythm of work, hear me now, this rhythm of work. I could preach a whole message on work and how work is a valuable thing and how God wants to honor you in and through a healthy work life. But he's saying work for six days and then rest. It's what's best for you. God knows what's best. So he establishes, he ordains this rhythm. It's for you and I. And we need to understand because he establishes what's best for us. We can now view the Sabbath, which literally means to rest. He gives it to us. So I want you to write that down. It's our first point, if you want to call it that this morning, that Sabbath is a gift Sabbath is a gift. The day of rest is a gift for you and I, God's children. The Sabbath is actually a gift to us. Mark chapter 2, verse 27. A lot is happening here. I encourage you to read this 
whole chapter of Scripture, Jesus is handling the Pharisees and talking about the Sabbath. They're, 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 trying to, they're trying to push him into a corner, get him to say something wrong. This is what Jesus says about the Sabbath. Jesus said to them that the Sabbath was made to meet the needs of people and not people to meet the requirements of the Sabbath. Listen, church. Us, much like the Pharisees, we have gotten the Sabbath wrong. I want to challenge your, your way of thinking about the Sabbath this morning. The, the Pharisees were trying to catch Jesus in a trap. Why are your disciples picking grain on this day? Jesus basically says, in a roundabout way, they're hungry and they're picking food to eat. Get over yourself. That's what Jesus is saying. And, and he's saying, don't you understand that this day, this Sabbath day of rest, was meant for your good. God sets this day apart to benefit his children. And in our mind, I want to challenge the way that you think, that, that many times we think that the Sabbath is some sort of burden. i got to keep these laws. i got to keep these traditions. i got to keep these regulations. i got to make God happy by what I do on the Sabbath. When all God is saying is, listen, I've set this day aside for you. Because I love you and I know what's best for you. This day's for you. It's to help you. It's to benefit you and your life. Remember that he knows what's best. And this day of rest is what's best. Of course, he said to work. But then to stop and to rest and to remember me. So rest really is a gift. And because God gifts us this day, we need to humble ourselves and take the gift. Now, there's a certain group of people this morning that I want to speak to, a certain group of people that I'm very familiar with. We laid my grandfather to rest in December, and he was the one that my mind went to when I thought about somebody that is a workaholic. He was a part of that generation where if you sat down, he visibly would get mad. Anybody know anybody like that? Like, how dare you sit down? You should be doing something all the time. Anybody know somebody like that? I think we've got some people like that in this room this morning. That you have found such value, such worth in your work that you mentally and physically do not know how to stop. And God is asking you to humble yourself, because it's a pride thing, to humble yourself and to stop. And to rest. He, he knows what's best for you. I want to hear you in some way, church. Do you believe that God knows what's best for you? And he's asking you, work. Sure, work hard. We ought to. But for one day, stop. Take a deep breath and rest. How do we know that God knows what's best for us? You, you ever thought to yourself, why is my body so tired all the time. You ever ask that question? Anybody? Why is my body so tired all the time? How about this one? Why is my mind, why is my mind so tired all the time? You ever feel that way? How about this one? Why is my soul tired all the time? Your soul ever been tired, church? Mine has. Listen, God knows what's best for us. 
And that he knows in the busyness of life, if we refuse to stop, if we refuse to pause, if we refuse to rest, that our minds will grow weary, that our bodies will fail us, and that our souls will suffer. So he's begging his children, listen, don't obey this law out of duty. Obey this law because I know what's best for you. And rest is best. So if you're that person this morning that finds their worth in filling your calendar with work all the time, humble yourself. Be obedient to what God has asked you to do and understand that he knows exactly what's best for you. Rest really is best. Look what Jesus says about rest. Matthew 11, 28 and 29. Then Jesus said, come to me. All of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens. Is that anyone in this room this morning? And I will give you what, church? Rest. Jesus says, take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you. Because I'm humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. What God does right here is he loves us so much that in and through Jesus, he creates a way for us to find rest for our souls in and through Christ. That if we seek after him, our soul can find rest. If we seek after him, I believe with all my heart, your body can find rest. If you uh, search after him, that every aspect of you will find rest in Jesus. It is a precious gift given to us by God in and through Jesus. And he is saying, rest in my son, Jesus, is what's best. Don't don't think that you know what's best for your life. I know we fall into that trap all the time where where you think you you know what's best, that that you found your own rhythm that works for you. But God is saying, I've got a rhythm that's perfect. I've got a rhythm that I've ordained since the foundations of the earth. Rest. Worship me. Work for six days. Fill your schedule. Have fun. Do those things. But for one of them, Pause. Rest is a part of God's plan in Jesus, and it's a precious gift. This is going to be on the screen because it's a precious gift. Church, I want you to write this down. It's a gift worth keeping. That the Sabbath is a gift worth keeping. Let's talk about that for a second. Some of you might be thinking, man, we, okay, you're starting to look at your calendar. You're starting to look at your work life. You're starting to look at your extracurricular activities, and you're going, does God really want me to stop what I'm doing for a whole day? Luke, do you really understand what my life is like? Do you really understand? Do you really understand what is required out of me at my job? Do you understand how much my phone rings and buzzes, all the emails that I get, everything that's required out of me. And, and, and you're saying that, that God wants me to stop for a whole day? Look, do, do you understand like, that we go to work every single day, and then, then, at, then after hours, like when work's over, uh, I don't even get home till about 10 o'clock, because when the work day's over, i got to shuttle kids here and there. We've got so much activities. Listen, Mom and Dad, I'm not harping on you today, but, but the reason that your schedule is so busy is your fault. 
Did you hear that? It's your fault. The last time I checked, a 13-year-old can't drive. That's supposed to be funny. The, the, the reason that you're so busy is because we don't say no. Oftentimes, we don't know how to say no. And, and that we've, we've filled up our mind, we've filled up our schedule with all this stuff, and, and Satan is tricking us and making us believe that, that work can't happen without that email, that work can't happen without that phone call, that, that my child won't be successful if I don't do everything with them all the time. Satan's making you believe that lie, and he's robbing you of the Sabbath. He's tricking you into making you think you need all of this stuff. Listen, the Sabbath is a gift worth keeping, and you may think that a whole day sounds cruel and almost unachievable. If you're just really honest with yourself, you're probably thinking that, really, uh, 24 hours? Is that what God asking me? Yeah, I, I think that's what it says. And you might be thinking, I can't do that. That's cruel. I want to remind you, church, that the things that God asks us to do are not burdensome. They are freeing. The things that God asks us to do are for our benefit. They're not cruel. They're not to harm you. They're to help you. First John 5, chapter 3. This is what the Word of God says. Loving God which I think everybody in this room, if I'm generalizing, loves God. They, they, you want to love God. Loving God means keeping his commandments. And his commandments are not burdensome. Did y'all see that, church? The things that God asks of us are not burdensome. Satan may trick us into thinking they are. But God says this is for your benefit. Rest is what's best for you. Rest and remembering God on the Sabbath is not a burden, but a precious gift. So why is a whole day set aside for rest and focus on God? Why does he ask a whole day of us? So if you've got that point down that it's a gift, gift worth keeping, I, I, want, you to, I want you to write this down. These three sub-points that we're going to go over real quick about what makes this day so special, how it helps us as children of God, because I would, I would mislead you if I would say, just, just keep this day and not give you a reason from Scripture of why this day is so important. So I want you to write this down, that the Sabbath is designed, it's designed by God to deepen your love for God. I you write that down. This day, by design, is for you to grow in your love for God. How can we, how can we process this? I want you to think about your schedule as it exists right now. And I want you to be real and I want you to be honest. I want you to be transparent with your heart and God right now. Your Monday's busy. Your Tuesday's busy. And I could go on and on through the days of the week. And, and your day is busy. I know God is good. And I know you want to worship him, and you want to focus on him every single day of the week. But if we're honest, in our work, in the busyness of life, it's really difficult for our affections for God to grow. Are we being honest? That's why God says, work for six days. But on one of them, think about me. On one of them, 
worship me. So this day, by design, is for you to block out everything else that's going on in your life and to grow in affections for God. The psalmist writes in 145, I want you all to listen to his heart of worship in this, 7 through 10. It says, everyone will share the story of your wonderful goodness. They will sing with joy about your righteousness. The Lord is merciful and compassionate, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. The Lord is good to everyone. He showers compassion on all his creation. Listen to this last part. All of your works will thank you, Lord, and your faithful followers will praise you. The Sabbath gives us an opportunity for our faith, for our love for God to grow, to deepen, to enrich him. The second thing, it's an opportunity for us to experience delight in the Lord. What do I mean by delight? When we truly delight in the Lord, what we are saying to the Lord is you are enough. God, you're enough. I don't need anything else. I don't need to be validated through my work life. I don't need to be validated through a busy schedule. I don't need to be validated through my kids. I don't need to be validated through anything else other than you. And what this day allows us to do, church, is to delight in him. For us, again, to block out those schedules and to focus on him, delight our soul in how good God has been. For us to be reminded, for our hearts to orient towards him again. I get it. Monday through Friday is tough. Saturdays are full of stuff. And oftentimes, we need this day, do we not, church, to get our minds back on him? That's what he's saying. Stop and delight in me. Find me again, is what he's saying. Psalm 1, 1 through 3. Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or stand around with sinners or join in with mockers. But they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. They are like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit each season. Their leaves never wither, and they prosper in all they do. God is giving us an example in his word. What happens when we delight in him? Our souls find rest. We find sound truth in God, and it's for our benefit. The last thing of this subpoint, it's an opportunity for us as his church to worship our Redeemer, for us to worship him. That's what we're doing right now, church. That's why we gather here is to worship him. Now here's what I want to do. I, I, I want to I look and see what the Old Testament has about this particular aspect. Then I want to look at the, what the New Testament says about worshiping our Redeemer. Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 15. This is what it says. Remember that you were once slaves in Egypt, but the Lord your God brought you out with his strong hand and powerful arm. This is the reason. That is why the Lord your God has commanded you to rest on the Sabbath. Now, I know what you're thinking. At least I did from time to time. Okay, God, I see this in the Old Testament, but you do realize, God, that um, we haven't been in slavery? Like, I, I've not lived in Egypt? Like, you, you didn't part the waters for me? Like, I, I didn't? Like, like how, does this, how does this apply? Why, why is the Sabbath such a big deal? Like, you didn't rescue me from slavery. And then I was reminded, church, Jesus Christ rescued you and I from slavery. Jesus rescued us from the slavery of sin. 
So in a New Testament context, you see the connection? Like now, we as his children, we, we gather here to worship our Redeemer, not from Egyptian bondage, but from the bondage of sin. The sin that held us down, the sin that's going to send us to hell. We gather here to worship him, our Redeemer. He says, stop what you're doing and worship me. Galatians 5 Verse 1, this is the New Testament connection. So Christ has truly set us free. Do you believe that this morning, church? Now make sure that you stay free and don't get tied up again in slavery to the law. Jesus sets us free, church. And because he gave himself up on the cross, died for our sins, we gather here to worship him. We set this day apart to worship our Redeemer. It's a really big deal. The Sabbath, or the day of rest and remembrance of God, remember, church, it's a gift worth keeping. It was designed for us by God. Remember this part. For our benefit. Big question. Are you taking advantage of it? Are you taking advantage of this day? Now I want to make a transition. We look at the Jewish calendar, we see that it's on Saturday. You might in your mind go, oh, did we miss the boat yesterday? Like what's, what's the deal? Like are, are, we, are we sinning? Look, do we have this day right? We, we, we need to look in Scripture why, why we, as our church now, worship on Sunday. Why is Sunday a big deal? Why did we grow up? If you grew up in church, those in your family, maybe it's your grandma, maybe it's your uncle, somebody that you respect, say, go to church on Sunday. Why did they hold that day so high? Why do we hold Sunday as our day of Sabbath so high? What's, what's the big deal? Why is Sunday the day? Well, we start to see in Scripture this subtle shift in the New Testament after Jesus from Saturday to Sunday, and let's talk about why this day for us is so special. Mark chapter 2, verse 28. This is what Jesus says. So the Son of Man is Lord. Listen to this, church. Even over the Sabbath. What Jesus does in the New Testament, what he establishes, is he's talking to the Pharisees and those following him. He's saying, this day is mine. This day is mine. I'm Lord over it. He captures the law. He fulfills the law. He says, in me, I've got this day. That very statement changes everything. Jesus changes everything. And what we see is after Jesus, this shift that we have towards Sunday, he's saying that this is my day, this day of rest, this day of remembrance. It's all about me, Christ. That's what he's saying. I'm the Lord over it. John chapter 20, verse 1, we get a clear indication of why now we worship Jesus on Sunday. John chapter 20, verse 1. Early on Sunday morning, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. This is the verse we celebrate on Easter. Let me speak to this real briefly, church. Hang with me. If Jesus would have just been some guy, showed up on the scene, did some cool stuff, had some good conversations, 
crawled, crawled up on the cross, died, and then got put into a grave and stayed there, guess what? He would be a guy that showed up on the scene, that had some really cool conversations, said some cool stuff, did some neat things, but he wouldn't be God. This Sunday morning that is depicted in Scripture is the Sunday morning that changed everything. That day is when our Savior, when Jesus, defeated sin and death. That's the day that he busted out of the grave. That's the day that we as a church worship him. We celebrate what he did. That's what gives our Sunday its value, church. That's a big deal. That's a really big deal. So we see this pattern. We see this shift because of what Christ did. He captures the Sabbath, and we see this day of worship transition to a Sunday, we've got more evidence in Scripture. Acts chapter 20, verse 7. It says, on the first day of the week, in the Jewish calendar, our calendar, what's the first day of the week, church? Sunday. Sunday. We gathered with the local believers to share in the Lord's Supper. We start to see the New Testament church claim this day as the day they worship the Redeemer. Sunday is a big deal. We see it again in Revelation 1.10. This is the first time the Lord's Day is coined. It's capitalized. It was the Lord's Day, and I was worshiping in the Spirit. The Lord's Day is Sunday, the day that he conquered the grave. That's why we now, as Christians, we worship him on Sunday. Forgive me for the historical background, but we need to know why we're here, don't we? It's a big thing. It's a big deal. The Lord's Day... The day that Christ rose and conquered the grave is the day that we celebrate him. It's the day that we remember our Redeemer. And listen, church, this is not going to be on the screen, but if you're a note taker, I want you to write this down, okay? I want you to write this down. We need to fight for Sundays. Write that down. Fight for Sundays. What do I mean by this? I want to get real. We're going to have a real conversation this morning, church. We need to fight for Sundays. Oftentimes in Christianity, we get mad at a culture. We start blaming the culture for the deterioration of the things that we value, don't we? We're guilty of that. But Sunday, not being respected, is not our culture's fault. It's our fault. Did y'all hear that? We're having a conversation. Culture can only claim what we give them. And, and, and the children of God have, have abandoned the sanctity and the holiness of the Sabbath. How have we done this? This is where we're going to have a real heart-to-heart. -heart. We've done this by valuing work over worship. We've done this by valuing extracurricular over worship. We've done this by valuing our children's activities over worship. And before you know it, this is what's happened. Wednesday looks like Thursday. Friday looks like Saturday. And Saturday looks like Sunday. And there's not been any day of the week that looks different for a child of God. Now, moms and dads, I'm really, I'm not mad at you. I'm right there in the boat with you. I struggle with this all the time. Seriously, don't think I'm picking on you because I'm here. 
But moms and dads, we've got to make up our mind at some point in our parenting that we're going to make those tough decisions. We've got to make up our mind that we're going to value obedience over what our culture says is okay. Now, I'm, again, I'm not going to tell you what to do. But at some point in your parenting, there's going to be decisions that have to be made that are countercultural. And guess what, moms and dads? That's okay. As a follower of Christ, guess what? Your whole existence is countercultural. Your whole existence is opposite of what the world does. So your, your kid may be the one that misses on Sunday. That's okay. If you feel bad about it, come to me. I'll celebrate with you. Guess what? They might, might not be called next season to be on that tournament team. Praise God, because you've stood up for what's important. You've stood up for a commandment that God has given. That's okay, child of God. I'm not going to tell you what to do. But listen, moms and dads. We see how quickly in Scripture that if one generation abandons God, the next one won't even know he exists. Here's what we do in my home. I asked my oldest last night. I said, what makes Sunday look different? Moms and dads, if you want to know where you're at in your house, what you value, just ask your children. Aren't they honest little boogers? They will, oh, their words will cut. Ask them. Ask them. Now, here's the tension that we feel. I want you to understand real clearly. I'm not preaching legalism this morning. I'm not preaching perfect attendance. I'm not preaching that every time these doors are unlocked, you have to be here, and if you're not, God is mad at you. I'm not preaching that. All that we are doing is looking at what God has ordained and what God has gifted us for our benefit. So when God asks something of us, it's not burdensome. We, we don't follow the law out of duty. We follow the law because we know that what God has established is best. And that's for our benefit. So yeah, church, fight for Sundays. Make those difficult decisions as a family. Make that difficult decision as a personal follower of Christ to value what God values. So please understand me. I'm not, I'm not saying perfect attendance gets you a front row in heaven. Not at all. Now in Christ, we have freedom. We have freedom. So what does that mean for us now? I want to read Romans, and, and you're going to think that I'm a heretic. Romans Chapter 14, I hope you feel the tension in the law and the grace of Jesus. Romans 14, 5, and we're going to look at the first part of, of verse 6. Paul is dealing with some disagreements, I believe, between the Jews and the Gentiles, those Jewish converts and those Gentile converts, and this is how he handles the situation. He says, in the same way, some think one day is more holy than another day, while others think every day is alike. You should each be fully convinced that whichever day you choose is acceptable. Those who worship the Lord on a special day, do it to honor him. 
What is Paul saying? Keaton and I have enjoyed conversations about this. Remember that Jesus changes everything. Old Testament law, if you were caught walking too far, they could kill you. Now we're under the law of grace, and Jesus changes everything. Keaton and I discussed this, that we as a church at Holland Chapel, if we wanted to, let's just say everybody in this room, we all worked at the same place, and Sunday was the day that all of us worked, and we were all off on Tuesday. This church could gather and say, you know what? Tuesday is going to be the day that we gather and worship, and guess what, church? We would have freedom in Christ to do that. Some of your heads are spinning right now. You're like, what? Are you, you just said Sunday is what we should do. What is talking? We have freedom in Christ, church. How does this play out for us this morning? Because I do not remember, go all the way back to the first week, that if we just preach law, you're going to feel like you can never measure up. And you're going to feel like, what's the point? We have freedom in Christ. So what does this mean for us this morning? Yes, this church, Holland Chapel, if you're going to be a part of this church, Sunday morning... It's the time we've established for work or for worship. And Sunday is the day that we've established to remember and rest. So if you want to be a part here, that's the day that we've set aside. It's for your benefit. How does this play out practically speaking? If for some reason you, you need to step away on a Sunday where obedience, listen to me, where obedience to God requires otherwise, Stepping out. You have the freedom in Christ to do that. So, if work takes you away two Sundays a month because you feel that God has asked you to be the provider of your home, you have the freedom in Christ to do that, church. Do you hear that? You have freedom in Jesus to do that. But listen to me. If you have to work on Sunday and your company gives you Tuesday off, you better worship. You better rest. You better remember God on that Tuesday. That's what he says. Listen, let one day be set apart. Maybe travel. Maybe you just cannot get around it. You know, I just have to travel on that day. Make sure that you find a day to worship. Maybe your health prevents you as much as you would like to come here. Find a day and worship. Find a day and rest. Listen, we have freedom in Christ. Many of you are going, what did we just hear? Remember, though, <laughs> we need to remember this, that God and Jesus are the same. What God says in the Old Testament, listen to me, Jesus says in the Old Testament. What Jesus says in the New Testament, God says in the New Testament. What God has ordained for you and I as believers is what's best. And he is saying, rest is best. And for this church, Sunday is our Sabbath. That's the day that we worship and that we rest and we remember. So I hope this morning that as you look at the law, it's not heavy, it doesn't weigh you down, it frees you, and that you're reminded in Christ you have freedom to worship him in spirit and in truth, wherever and whenever. Let me pray for you. God, we love you. Thank you so much for your word. Thank you for the instruction that it brings. Thank you for teaching us. Thank you for showing us that what you value, what you ordain is best. 
And God, help us to remember as we start to feel the tension of the law and grace that if we as children of God value and fight for Sundays, it points a lost world to your son Jesus. Help us to be so bold, God, to look different. You've asked us to. Help us, God, to be obedient, not out of duty, but because we know there is freedom in your commandments. That if we do what you ask us to do, God, it'll be for our benefit. And God, we praise you this morning for your son Jesus. That in him he fulfilled the law. I'm so thankful that I'm not bound to the law any longer. That I've got Christ. Thank you for him. We ask everything in his precious and holy name. Amen.